You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Talking Wrestling. I'm your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining me on Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. Uh, we are going to have a great time today, as we usually do, folks. Uh, but before we get to the great times, let me remind you where you can find us online or any social media outlet. On uh, Instagram, we are Talking Wrestling Podcast. Join us on the Instagram. We are on the Twitter at tnw pod give us a follow there uh what else uh, if you want to send us a gmail send it to talking wrestling at gmail.com and not only that since you've done all those three if you haven't why not also follow us on facebook or give us a like on the facebook uh, page for talking wrestling which is talking wrestling uh, facebook so find us there also remember that if you are on itunes you give us a five star uh, rating and a review we will get you a postcard of an a vintage 80s postcard of a vintage 80s superstar um lots still left Please get them in, and if you're out there and you're listening and you haven't got your postcard, give us a contact. Find us on one of the social medias we just mentioned, and, uh, you know, let me get that postcard out to you. So, with that said, wow, I love wrestling. It's been a great summer so far. I went to a Smash show a couple weeks ago here in Toronto and, um, you know, got to uh, meet a Walter for those of you who don't know, I had a previous beef with Walter, the ring general. Uh, Walter is an Austrian wrestler who is a giant of a man, and he will he can chop down trees with the palm of his hand. And uh, he is uh, insane. You know who he is. Anyways, when I was at PWG a while back, uh, Walter uh, butted in line in front of me at the CVS. And um, I just let him do it because of his size. But uh, I got to meet him at the Smash Card here in Toronto. And I told him about the uh, the butting. And I uh, instead of making a confrontation, I decided I'll let it slide. I let it slide. Uh, we took a picture. I bought a T-shirt, and I watched them have a uh, a great match against Matt Cross, the son of Havoc from Lucha Underground. The match was just fantastic. It, it, it I thought it would be all chops, but it wasn't because Walter hit his hand chopping. Uh, he went for a chop up against the um, the post. Uh, Matt Cross ducked and he hit the post and then his hand was basically out of commission he could do a chop but then he would ah he'd really sell the hand and uh, this allowed him to uh, wrestle and uh, instead of just doing chops and slaps I actually realized he's, he's a really good wrestler good moveset and very entertaining the smash card was great in itself it was uh, CZW or CZW as they call it in America and they came up to wrestle smash and it was a great card overall a lot of great matches just seeing walter in toronto was very cool 
and uh, it was a very good time. Uh, the last two, three nights here in Toronto, Sunday night was Slammiversary. It was sold out. Congratulations to Impact Wrestling for selling it out. And it was an amazing card. I was not there, but I've read about it and I've watched what I can. And it, it was fantastic. I enjoyed what I saw when I read so much so that I went to the two tapings Monday and Tuesday night of this past week. And uh, so if uh, starting Thursday night, you can see me sitting hard cam, second row, sort of off Don Collins' shoulder towards the center of the ring. And uh, I'll be there for the next four weeks. And then the four weeks after that, I believe, I will be in, uh, well, somewhere else. I'll be, oh, front and center, ringside, hard cam. And uh, so watch for me. I'm, I'll be on Impact for the next bunch of episodes. Uh, and Impact tapings were fantastic. I will not tell you what happens because I don't want to spoil anything that did happen. But make sure to watch Impact. I'm telling you um, what uh, Scott Demore and Don Callias are doing uh, with it, uh, they're turning it around, and um, they're making it exciting to watch. And uh, it, the production value is there, and and it's a good quality product. So um, you know, now I, I'm watching Impact as well as New Japan, and then following all these other indies as well as WWE. It's like, oh my God, where does my time go? Uh, watching wrestling, but um, but. You know, that's what I'm, I love, and don't we all? So, folks, uh, with that said, uh, it has been a great time for wrestling, and uh, I've had great weekends, and we got more wrestling coming up next month. Uh, TNA is back for more tapings, which I will be going to. WWE is in for a weekend for SmackDown and Raw, and uh, Smash is having their big summer card as well. It's, it's, it's a great summer. It's a great summer of wrestling, and it's a great, yeah, great time to be alive. And uh, and today on the show, I am a very funny comedian from Newfoundland, and uh, you guys are gonna love him. And uh, he'll be here in a bit. And uh, I, oh, oh, he's here now. Oh, okay. Well, folks, um, I'm just going to tell you, Casey Corbin right now is in studio with John Sheehan. And uh, an amazing comedian uh, from Newfoundland, Canada. You guys are going to absolutely enjoy this interview, this talk uh, that I'm sure they're about to have. So, Casey, I will throw it to you. Uh, Here's Casey Corbin in studio with John Sheehan. Take it away, Case. All right, folks, at this time, I have my guest with me in uh, studio. No, in studio. He's calling in. Ah, maybe he's in studio. We're, we're kayfabing this. Ah, he is in studio. Yes, he's walking in here right now. <laughs> and uh, a good friend of mine, uh, we used to work the Yuck Yucks Clubs together uh, down east. And uh, he's uh, he lives in Newfoundland. And uh, we have him right now, uh, John Sheenan. John Sheenan, come on in. Come on in. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for coming on the show and uh, engaging in the talking wrestling. So, although we, we in the pre-chat we've been talking hockey, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But we, but it's pretty much about hockey fighting that we were talking about and how important uh, fighting is. But uh, now we're switching uh, fighting uh, arts and we're moving to wrestling. And how are things wrestling wise with you this summer? You know what? I uh, I don't get to talk wrestling a lot when I, now. Not a lot of uh, people I know are into it. Yeah. Uh, and p- the people I do know who are into it kind of fell off a little bit in the last year or so. They're 
not impressed with the way the market is going. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree that there were certainly better eras in wrestling right than there is right now. But I still admire the athletic abilities. I admire the, uh, you know, what it takes to actually get in there and entertain people. And, and you're, it's one of the most scrutinized forms of entertainment that I think there is. Yeah, 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 it does. They're always, there's kind of a backlash to it. And it's because it's a thing of, you know, for so long, they didn't let people in that, that the matches were pre-booked and decided. And yeah. people didn't like that, you know, and then, then they go from calling it fake. And I think fake is the worst word. And I've said this on the show before, because fake is the worst word to describe it because. Oh, fuck yes, you, absolutely. You can't fake gravity. It's impossible. No, you can't. No, you I... can't. And you know what? Saying that they're faking is the same. Is you're not breaking. You know, when someone comes up to me and says, "Why do you like that?" It's fake. I'm like, you know what? You're not breaking any news right now. We know it's choreographed. But here's the thing: that cop show you just watched last night and got totally invested in and blogged about this morning, that's written. You know? Well, yeah. Well, not even that. It's like there and are those other guys use stunt guys. There are other stupid sports that are fake that people still go and see, and nobody shits on them. Look, I tell you what, I, 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 I've said this, and look, I got nothing against MMA or UFC or whatever. All right, but here's the thing: if you drop sixty or seventy dollars on a UFC pay per view, the main event might go thirty seconds, and you don't get a refund. That's your money gone. Yeah. If you drop forty five dollars on WrestleMania. You know you're getting every single penny that you spent is going to be well worth it and more. Because you know the main event is going to be at least 40, 45 minutes. Yeah, 100%. And at the end of the day, I don't know for sure who they have scheduled to win any more than I know who's legitimately going to win in an MMA fight. So who cares? I prefer the storyline. Yeah, and it's like, uh, you know, like you look at boxing and UFC and the Mm. best matches are built up through a storyline that they create through trash talking. Where do you think that came from? Exactly. (laughs) And then as soon as the match is over, they're hugging each other and saying, you know, so they're admitting that all the lead up to it is bullshit. Oh, yeah. You have to hype something to get people you have to talk to people in that's what muhammad ali did you know and that and it all started with ali so people think but no ali learned how to do that from um from gorgeous Gorgeous george George. exactly and gorgeous george i hate to break it to all you people out there well everybody listening knows wrestler um you know but but i was saying there are other sports like nobody ever shits on the harlem grove potters no. What the what the no. fuck are they all about? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, every, they're just, every they're match just, is fixed. They're the ice capades, you know? Yeah, every match is fixed. These guys aren't even good enough. Are they good enough to make the NBA? Then why aren't they in the NBA? And be like, ah, I'm not going to play for the Spurs. I'm going to sign with the Globetrotters. <laughs> exactly, yeah. In case yeah. Uh, I might get to play a basketball against some robots on a sitcom. That's what happened on exactly, Gilligan's Island. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's totally ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Uh, medieval times. You're not in real medieval times. Mm-hmm. You're just eating without utensils. That's all you're doing. Well, one of the things I like to say to you know, a friend of mine who's a comic as well, he said, I don't know why you get out of that, man. It's bullshit. I said, look, other than the physicality, which we would never do, how is what they do any different than what we do? Yeah. You know, we're entertainers. They're entertainers. Except they had to do it and not fuck up in front of 20, 30, 40, 50, 100,000 people and make it look good and make sure you take care of the other person as opposed to, you know, and make and sell us on that. 
that's fantastic man that's entertainment at its at its peak exactly and even if it and they are more like us i always say they are like comedians because you know there are times when we're doing our routines on stage and oh we flub a word or we flub a sentence or we missed a punchline and guess what it's live we don't go back we just continue onwards and pretend like yeah that's the way the joke is you know yeah Uh, and if you yeah if you forget where you're going in a new in a new bit or whatever there's nobody there that can whisper you a line. There's nobody there that can pick it up for you. You're on your own. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. So that's it, why those guys, those guys in wrestling who are who are ma- you know masters of the mic, are the ones that succeed. If hmm. if you got all, you can have all the skill in the world in the wrestling ring, but if you're no good on that mic, you either better have a manager who is, or you better learn how to be good on that mic. Yeah, or just or just not talk at all. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, you know. who knows? Like, because there's nothing worse than oh my god, a worse, uh, a terrible promo. Oh. One of the worst promos I ever saw. I just and I felt bad watching it, and uh, was this? I, I I don't want to, I don't want to say anything bad, but it was it was what it was. It was I was at the Monday Night Raw two nights after the Screw Job, and right. uh, years ago, and this guy came in. They tried tried to put him up into i think they were like the idea might have been like let's push him perhaps we can push him up in a brett spot or whatever so they had him do this promo in cornwall and uh did he he butchered it hard <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah and i felt really bad for him and i'm like oh my god that's terrible but he was a good wrestler like he was good in the ring, right. he was very believable. I'm just gonna. I, he was on the. He's been on the show, so I don't want to. But I'm just telling it the way it is. It was Ken Shamrock, and oh, okay. and I think Ken Shamrock was a fantastic entertainer. Like he brought the tapping out to the WWE. It, you couldn't sure, tap out things. before then. Uh, there were. He, you know, he brought. You know that whole, whole UFC and like everything that Brock does now. Ken Shamrock already did. You know, right. like with the whole UFC thing, and the, and the he brought the ankle lock in, and he, you know, he he really brought a lot of new things to wrestling, and very underrated. You know, he he was near the top for a bit, but then sank in the mid card. But his matches was, were was always Ken believable. Shamrock, do you think it was his reputation in UFC or MMA that may have hurt him in WWE, with the fact that you know people were thinking, you know, this guy he could kill these guys if he tried. You know, if if this was legitimate fighting, mm-hmm. is anyone really going to stand there against Ken Shamrock at the time? You know, well, and uh, I I don't know that that hurt hurt him. Well, I think also back then it was like we're talking about the Attitude Era, and yeah. uh, it was all clicks. It was all yeah. clicks, and he was a Bret Hart guy. So you never know what was going on with the politicking with uh, the click. Yeah, he probably would have done really well in the early uh, in the early '80s when it was good guys and bad guys. Oh yeah, you know, black and white, and uh, I think he could have done much better then. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, the Attitude Era there was a big gray area about who was good, who was bad. But the thing about the Attitude Era was, no matter how like who like who was better or whatever and whatnot, with the size of the roster they had, I felt like within the each episode of Raw, they did a good job getting everybody in something. You know what I mean? Right. It's like everybody had their moments. Today, would Crash Holly even get on TV? I don't know if he would or not. You know, but yes. like to have Bob Holly, who would get on TV most likely, and then have all of a sudden Crash Holly, and then Molly Holly, and then you have this hardcore title 
24-7, so everybody's chasing that. And, you know, you got guys like Phineas who are just terrible, but, hey, he's friends with The Undertaker, so now we're just going to make him a, a member of a cult. And, yeah. you know, like there are a lot of people that I thought that, you know, they they weren't that good, but they still got something. And, you know, meanwhile, the big guys were carrying the show. You know, it was Stone Cold and The Rock. Well, this was also when they were stretching it to um, three hours and uh, had to really fill some time. And they couldn't, you know, they couldn't put Rock and Stone Cold or Triple H after every five minutes. And this was when a lot of guys were, I thought the three-hour format was great in giving in giving those guys uh, air time that might, like you say, might not have gotten it otherwise. Yeah. Um, speaking of the rock, I was very excited last night. I was at the impact tapings. They were taped here in Toronto. They did, uh, I guess they did, maybe they did eight episodes, four episodes and then four episodes. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it was only six. I don't know, but I went to two tapings and they did a lot right. of episodes and that at least for the next four weeks, um, I'll be on impact. Uh, sitting ringside but regardless right. uh last night after the show i got to meet the rock's uncle which i was pretty excited about yeah uh, of course yeah ricky ricky uh ricky johnson who is also the soul man uh, like rocky johnson they pretty much work the same gimmick but right. uh, and he's a fellow maritimer as well because his whole like rocky and ricky johnson are both from amherst uh nova scotia uh, or is it New Brunswick? Where's Amherst? Is it New Brunswick or Nova Scotia? Amherst, I thought it was Nova Scotia. Okay, but it's pretty close to New Brunswick. Wrong. I know, it's like yeah. pretty close to it, though. It's yeah. on. It's a piss spot on the way to Moncton from Halifax. That's how I know it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah. So no wonder you don't ever hear The Rock talking about his grandparents' place or hometown. or like The Rock never claimed his Canadian citizenship. He, he he's uh, very proud to be American and and his Hawaiian he heritage. Proud, he is proud though of the time he spent in the CFL. He's pretty proud of that. Yeah, but you know, here's the I'll thing, and I've said this in the past. Here's the thing. I'm not going to say he's not smart because he is very smart. I love his Instagrams. He's very he's mentoring people through Instagram. He's very smart. He he's failed upwards in a lot of like a lot of ways. And um, you know, he's the most successful, highest grossing actor in the history of the world for last year. Like he right. grossed more than anyone else in a year and set a new record. So he's he's the greatest. So now with that said, you know, it's just like had he known like his dad's canadian so technically that makes him canadian the reason why he got cut from the cfl was because he was playing defensive end or defensive tackle and defensive end is a is a highly skilled look like there are spots in the football that are more skilled than others like uh, linebackers dbs are more outside players are more skilled on defense than inside players usually and um in the offense it's usually the quarterback and the receivers and the running backs who are the highly skilled players in the offensive line so usually the highly skilled players in the cfl are imports we bring them in from america but the canadian guys are the linemen and the inside guys and the slot backs and the and the tight ends so here's the thing the rock was an import and you were only allowed having 16 players imported on each team at the time so basically the rock got injured and they couldn't keep him on the roster because they would have had an import sitting there on the ir wasting a spot 
and uh, he got cut. So with that said, had The Rock got his Canadian papers, which he is totally allowed to, he's you can claim your father's citizenship. Now, yeah. had he claimed his father's citizenship and became and got his Canadian papers, he wouldn't have got cut. And wow. then he probably would have had at least a 10-year career in the CFL, and that would mean that we would not see The Rock or know The Rock because he would miss the attitude there, and who knows if he ever would have went into wrestling, he might have went back to the NFL or to the NFL. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing, right? Because I mean, we, I think you know, the Rock, you know, half of the reason for the Attitude Era was the Rock. When he when he switched from Rocky Maivia to the Rock, I mean, geez, that was the same thing to me. That was almost as impactful as uh, the Austin three sixteen promo, you know. Well, I think the thing is, is uh, with both of these guys, is instead of you know the Rocky being the smiling guy that he was, the Rocky Maivia guy, the character that he was. They just let him be the rock. And, you know, and I don't know if you know anything about college football, but he came out of the Miami, he came out of the hurricane program, the U. And those guys all have a motherfucking swagger. They all have a swagger. And so the rock is like, is the rock the rock? Like, is that Dwayne? Like, I bet Dwayne Johnson has been that guy since college. And he wasn't allowed to show it. Until he got his chance, and the minute he showed it, man, one of the greatest trash talkers of all time. Not com- and also great writing behind it because you know he didn't do it all himself. No, uh, of course, but, but he had to bring it. He had to deliver it. He had to bring it, and he he made bring it a catchphrase. So yeah, exactly. You know, um, you know? Well, so and the thing with the Rock, the thing that made the Rock so enjoyable to watch is that uh, they had him go heel uh, to begin with. The, the Rock was originally a heel with the Nation. But uh, the fans, man, they just, they didn't accept, they, they booed him when he was a good guy, but then as soon as he turned heel, they loved him again, you know, and then they had to bring him back to being a face, well, because th- he kept, the, the audience loved him as a heel. I think, too, it was important, as a very important step, um, putting The Rock in with the nation, because... Yeah. Like I said, it was very clicky back then, and all these factions, like all these guys would kind of kayfabe and travel together. So, you know, Ron Simmons is, you know, uh, an amazing wrestler, an amazing performer, the first African-American heavyweight champion of all time, the first ever black guy to hold the world mm-hmm. championship. And then you have, you know, the other guys underneath them, they were all kind of all newbies, but I'm sure The Rock got, you know, copious amounts of advice from uh, Ron Simmons. And from what I recall, D'Lo Brown was actually a really good technical wrestler. He could he could move around really well in the ring. I'm so sad that D'Lo Brown's career ended the way it did, but it's yeah. just, I think um, he was a really good wrestler. I loved his running powerbomb. Um, he had a couple other great moves, and he was entertaining as hell with his head swagger, like his head bobble. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. Mark Henry was just, you know, just big strong man. And the nation was really like, as far as faction goes, I would say they were highly underrated. You know? Oh, absolutely, man. I thought they were great. They had a really nice mix and a mix of strength and speed and ability on the mic. And the way they played it out with the Rock taking over from uh, Farouk. 
slowly you could see it and you could see him really emerging as a as a microphone powerhouse and you know farouk when they first brought farouk in they gave him the name farouk and that's nothing yeah, wrong with that outfit. it's yeah. a i think it's a great name but this they had put a blue egg shell on his head and yeah, it's ridiculous blue gladiator but it's like, thing it was ridiculous it wasn't until the nation yeah. where the name farouk matched the look it's like no yeah. this is farouk you know, yeah, this put, is what put a little bit of <laughs> you know. The, the, yeah. I don't know what that futuristic Trojan condom man was, but this yeah. year, this is what I picture Farouk. It sounds like it's something I would see in a Black Panther documentary. Yeah, he became a real badass with that. Yeah, and and it suited it, and it was great. Like you know, the the leathers. Uh, I just love that. As I thought, you know, I like. I'm a. I was a fan of the Black Panthers. I've, have you seen the movie Panther with Mario Van Peebles? Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like when I found out that Tupac's mom was a Black Panther, I'd get like, get the fuck out. Now I like Tupac even more. <laughs> you know, it's like no wonder that guy yeah. stood up for himself. No wonder he loved his mama. I love his mama too. Fucking there right. You, go. you know, craziness. It was very cool meeting the um, uh, Ricky uh, Johnson. Hopefully, uh, I gave him my card. He he said he wants to come on the show. So and he said he and he said he'll tell stories. And I'm like, nice. well, that's exactly what I want. So yeah, um, nice. so hopefully he gets a. I don't know. You I'm, know I'm hoping he knows what WWE Gino is. Here since, we haven't had WWE here in, L, in NL since 2002. Yeah, it's probably been a while, eh? I mean, I I went down to my one stadium. It was just open or whatever. It it was. Uh, I mean, they had some great matches. It wasn't uh, taped or anything, but they had Kurt Angle against Edge. They had um, John Cena when he was still just starting in his um, you know, ruthless aggression phase, mm-hmm. you know, with his trunks. And he was against, uh, you know, a very young Randy Orton. And uh, man, oh man, Batista was there, I think. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, we saw, and, and we saw Rey Mysterio before he made his television debut. Sweet. You know, because I, I was one of the ones who just legitimately freaked out when uh, Mysterio came to the ring. And mm-hmm. I was like, holy crap, you know, because I had heard rumors that he was going to be debuting in, in WWE, but here he was in St. John's. Yeah. And, uh, man, he was, like, to see him on TV, but to see that guy live in his in his prime jumping all over the place. Amazing. That was, it, dude, it was nuts, you know. It was absolutely bonkers. And everybody there, I mean, these guys thrive at the live events because everybody there is a fan. You know, nobody is there to call them fake or to call them whatever. No, everybody nothing, there, nothing better. Everybody nothing there better. was right along with them, and they knew, you know, uh, Billy Gunn was there, man, and he played it up. When the fans started booing his partner, uh, Road Dog at the time, Yeah. and they started calling Road Dog uh, a fag or whatever they were calling him, and uh, <laughs> they were supposed to be the heels, and Billy would turn around every now and again to the audience and encourage them, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. And, you know, it was just... It was fun. It was hilarious. You know, and then he would notice that his partner was encouraging the audience and Billy would play, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. As soon as he turned around again, Billy would be encouraging the audience, keep it up. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. It was, it was a good time, you know? It is and, good. Uh, yeah, it's great. Oh, there's, it's nothing like it live, man. It's, to see, and you see how, how some of the moves are done so well. Mm-hmm. So well. And to do that and not legitimately injure the man in the ring with you it's it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah it's it's quite amazing that that uh 
like more guys aren't getting hurt more often you know like uh, the stuff that they're doing the way they fly around the ring i took a bump last night at the tapings i was uh, oh, no oh yeah because i was sitting right up ringside on the hard cam against the uh, against the rails and uh eddie anderson eddie no eddie uh eddie edwards eddie edwards uh was uh wrestling austin aries for the for the world title world title match and um sure enough austin aries comes uh does a suicide dive and uh, goes to land on Eddie Edwards and hits him, and he pushes him back. Eddie Edwards is at least 260. Uh, yeah. Back into the barricade, which I'm sitting behind, and it's not much of a barricade if it's being heaved into your shins. Like, <laughs> and I was yeah, like, right. so it, I'm going to tell you, it hurt like a motherfucker. And, I, and all you people that are going to watch this on Impact, I sold it like a motherfucker. No, I was in pain. I was, I was. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. <laughs> I know. I was, I'm going to put it up on, when I get it, I'm going to put it up because, uh, oh my God, it was like, why are your shins? Like, why is that area so delicate to pain? Oh, dude, yeah, I know. Oh, you ever yeah. bang your shin in the middle of the night yeah. walking? Oh. It was only two weeks ago. It was only two weeks ago because my, uh, my youngest kid is 14, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, I'm educating him in the kind of movies he should be watching, you know, the classics. Like, I sat him down and watched Roadhouse. He loved it. Yeah. Let's face it. One of the best freaking action movies ever. Any movie like, with tell- Terry Funk is great. Exactly. There you go. I knew I had a wrestling connection with that one. <laughs> but we we sat down and we watched um, uh, Kickboxer with Van Dam. Mm-hmm. And you remember the scene where he kicks down the fucking tree with his shin mm-hmm. and it's bleeding and he just keeps nailing, nailing every time he swung that leg. Man, I cringed like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I, it was just holy shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, like because you're right. You don't think about it, but man, just anybody who gets bangs their shin, whether it's on a cart at the grocery store or whether it's a, a car door opening, it is agony. No, you know. So I was like, for I don't know, good half the match, I was like, oh. I was in shock. my no, my like, I was like, I'm gonna I'm have one of the boys. Now. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm one of the bumps. They're gonna, I probably sold that so good they were gonna like give me a contract to sit at every wrestling. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, we all still live in those fantasies. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll get picked out uh, of the I, audience. I, I, tell you what, here, I had my wrestling. I had a small wrestling fantasy come true. Small. One. All right. Not actually wrestling. Okay. Well, two actually. It was uh, a couple of years ago when they were doing um, East Coast wrestling. I think it is here in Newfoundland. They had Bret mm-hmm. Hart. And they had uh, Kevin Nash, and they had Rhino there as guests. My young father at the time was, uh, I think he was seven or eight at the time. So I took him there because he's a huge wrestling fan, huge wrestling fan. And uh, I asked him one time, I said, are you, are you sick of wrestling yet, Jake? He said, are you kidding? It's the best value in entertainment. And he was eight. So I thought <laughs> that was beautiful. That is great. <laughs> and uh, so as a child being raised right, he also sang Girls, Girls, Girls in grade two to his class. So that sounds, like, child, that sounds like a scholar. You know, Right there. This is a child being raised raised correctly. That's and uh, <laughs> well, he, uh, so he came he came to this. I took him to this event, and I was with uh, I was doing some rep work for a liquor company at the time, so they were sponsoring the event. So I got to hang out a little bit. I got Bret Hart to sign the hat. I got all the wrestlers to sign a hat. Awesome. Uh, and then and then I got in. I got to get into the ring and draw a name for the hat. So like we were standing in the ring. It was great. But uh, my wrestling moment 
came in Halifax at Ha Ha Holidays. Have you ever done that gig? Ha Ha Holidays? No, I don't think I have. It's from it's with the Halifax Comedy Fest. Okay. And it's it it takes place in December. They have uh, two nights at the convention center there, and you're playing for 850 people. You know. Mm-hmm. So I got I got to headline this a couple of years ago. I had never entered to music before. You know, and uh, the guy asked me, he said, do you want to enter to something? I said, you fucking kidding? <laughs> he said, yeah, do you, want, do, you want, do you want to enter to something? So from the back of the room, instead of just coming through the side, which I normally would do, I came from the back of the room, and, man, I played it up to the hilt. When the guy said, you know, he's done, he's done the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, Alex Comedy Festival, he's over Louis C.K., you know, welcome to the stage, John Cena. And then he goes, time to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lost my shit i walked in with a bottle of water and stood there did the hair flip even though i'm you know short hair yeah and i I walked through the crowd man they were going nuts before i even got to the stage because of that song and you know so i got to enter to the game i was in my glee you know it it works i'll tell you the first time i see mick foley do stand up was, oh yeah, how was that? How is that? Oh, he's great. He's great. He's yeah? he's a brilliant storyteller. Whether he's well, using his, his body or his books great, or yeah. his the guy is just so nice and he's so entertaining. And uh, he's currently touring, telling his uh, his uh, story of the uh, famous Hell in a Cell, uh, twenty years of hell in the cell, and uh, he's touring across Canada right now. So uh, I mean that that moment in Hell in a Cell, that's his Henderson goal. I would say that. That is that's, that's absolutely insane yeah it is his henderson you know? goal so what happens is uh i first time i see him in montreal i'm at just for laughs and it's a midnight show and uh, or 11 30 something like that it's a late night show i can't remember what venue it's in but uh there was an aisle at the center and there was like a long narrow room with like a lot of people on both sides and sure enough his music hits everybody else just walked on stage like normal comedy right but now they're like please welcome uh blah blah blah, blah mick foley you know and then all of a sudden he hear, you know and i and i'm like where and i just thought he's gonna walk on stage but i look behind me and he's coming up the aisle and yeah. all of a sudden it just turns into wrestling like and i've got goosebumps and i held my hand out and he hits my hand and i'm in jubilee i'm just so happy and uh and then he goes on and he does his set and he's fantastic and he's great and then uh later on that night we're back at the hotel afterwards and it's like four in the morning and he's there with uh jason sensation and another dude big wrestler and the three of them are sitting there and they're just watching all the comedy stars come into the hotel and stuff and uh mick foley got really excited when he saw jeremy hots which oh, is no way. yeah yeah and he wanted wow. and he asked jeremy hots if he could uh, get his autograph or or get a picture with him but i don't think hots knew who mick foley was and it's four in the oh. morning and when you yeah. see these three ugly guys sitting in these chairs <laughs> These and they're giants, and like I, I don't think he knew that they were pro wrestlers, <laughs> and he just thought they were like, you know, who who knows who they are if you don't know who they right. are. But he was like, he sort of went ah, and he just went to the elevator, and, and then the next guy to come in was like JB Smooth, and he was like, 
oh my god it's Mick motherfucking Foley you know and he was taking pictures and he was super excited and I'm like just the difference in a guy not knowing anything about wrestling thought these guys were hoodlums even though I'm like Jeremy it's it's Mick Foley he's a pro wrestler he's uh, number one best-selling author on the New York. He's pretty well known. Like, I'm like, I'm like, he's, I'm like, how do you fuck? Do you not know who McFoley is? You know, he's Ravioli. He was the Ravioli spits by a spokesperson for Chef Boyardee. You know, mm-hmm. so, but um, yeah, but the creating the wrestling environment and then going in and telling his stories, uh, and which are he's very animated in telling his stories, and uh, he does bring in Jason Sensation shows and sometimes, and Jason is a brilliant uh wrestling impersonator he does actually he's just a brilliant impersonator because he does hollywood right. stars as well but jeepers does he excel at wrestlers but um so anyways fantastic show well, back in the day i used i've never done it in the act or anything but back in the day i used to i i used to get i used to try to do impressions of all the all the wrestlers and the managers and you know i mean paul bear macho man it was oh yeah uh, i do all of them but i just do them for fun i don't do them that much i do them on the show every now and again not as much as like as in the earlier episodes of the show the you know like i like doing lanny poffo um (laughs) like if you did i saw him and i saw him in harbor grace back in 1988 89 holy crap what was he doing <laughs> just shopping what was he what was he no there for? he was wrestling he, <laughs> he was, was wrestling. wrestling did he yeah what? this must have been around 1991 actually because he was the genius character at the time and what was did he did he do a poem he did do a poem in the ring yes he did i don't recall what it was i know that a couple of the boys were actually drinking before the show yeah and uh Neidhart was kind of tanked and uh didn't really want to be at it be wrestling uh george Steele says uh you know because at the time i was working at the stadium so i was able to hang around the back and you know see the guys and stuff yeah and uh i was a fan you know but the boys were there drinking and getting loaded and neidhart wasn't really fit to perform <laughs> so george Steele said i'll take care of it don't worry about it so neidhart enters first and he's supposed to be fighting george Steele. George goes out, does you know, does the licking, does everything else, takes chairs, just starts throwing chairs in the ring, starts biting the thing, starts biting everything, starts throwing more stuff in the ring, and finally Neidhart just goes, I'm not fighting you like this, and walks away. So everybody thought it was Neidhart, just didn't want to fight George Steele, but it was George getting him out of having to fight. Fuck, that's so funny. Awesome, that's right? So, that is but, awesome, yeah. And uh, it was great because at the time, they, you know, the stadium in Harbor Race didn't have a sound system. <laughs> You're talking about a town of less than 2,000 people. Yeah. So, what's his name? Do you remember that guy who used to come on the Canadian version of WWE? Red. Uh... Billy Redlines. Yeah, Billy yeah. Redlines, yeah. So, he comes out to introduce people, and he's got a microphone hooked up to a uh, ghetto blaster. Yeah. <laughs> so, which doesn't really fill an arena, you know what I mean? No. So, he, he puts in the tape, <laughs> the cassette tape, and presses play, and the wrestlers in the back can't hear this going on. So every time he'd say, welcome to the ring, they wouldn't know about it for a couple of seconds. And finally, you see him start to come down to the ring when the music is about halfway through. It was it was great. Oh, jeepers. That's great. I mean, and- you can't you can't make memories like that. You know, I, I, to be honest with you, Casey, I never gave that any more thought until here today talking to you. Well, I'm glad you thought about it because that's hilarious. 
Like yes. and it brought back that brings back so many memories for me now. Oh, yeah. that's and that's uh, I remember every wrestling thing that I went and saw and like and that's what I what last night with the with Ricky Johnson, I asked him. I said, "Can I?" I said, "Can I have a moment of your time? Can I show you something?" And mm-hmm. uh, and he said, "Sure." And I said, "I just posted this on my Instagram this week, and it's um it was uh, um part of the poster that I have from the original." wrestling show like the first wrestling show i ever went to uh years later i was at an auction and uh the poster was there at the auction and went up for auction so i bought the poster for 30 dollars, and uh and i got it plaqued so and it's like the first wrestling show i'd ever seen ever in my life in my hometown and i love it and it's it's like and it's like an old school 80s wrestling poster so and the uh that night the sheik wrestled ricky johnson so i clipped out the sheik and the ricky johnson part and i put that up on instagram i said yeah i just put this up on instagram this week i'm like it's so funny the way the world works is i posted your name on my instagram and that was last week and here we are this week and now we're taking a picture together like how fucking insane is that that is crazy right yeah it is crazy yeah. i love the way the world works and I looked, um, in, I looked into a little bit of merchandise two years ago i was hosting an auction it was a small gig in central newfoundland you know and it was one of those things where uh i gave them uh they asked for a price and i gave them a fuck off price and they took it mm-hmm. so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh but anyway, I decided, all right, you know what, I'll, I'll go do this. You know, it's it's on a Tuesday night, and how often are you going to get a gig on a Tuesday night in, in Newfoundland? So I drove the four hours. Uh, they had me put up in a hotel for the night. They paid me good money. But the auction, at the auction, there was this, because about, about a month and a half earlier, Hulk Hogan had uh, gone through doing a book thing at uh, Chapters in St. John's okay. and Coles uh, and, and Gander and stuff. So anyway, he signed a few things. So they had a they had a Hulk Hogan poster up there on auction, on silent auction, and everybody who was there at this auction in Central Newfoundland were bidding on the uh, ATV gloves and the fucking <laughs> cases of beer. Yeah. And so I I got this autographed uh, poster size framed picture of Hulk Hogan for uh, thirty five bucks. Oh, that's awesome. So I brought that home to Jake, and he's, you know, he, he, he didn't grow up with Hogan Wrestling, obviously, but he knew who he was, you know? Yeah. So uh, so he was delighted. He, now, I didn't go completely right with this kid because he's a Bruins fan. But, uh, you know, for the most part, wrestling, heavy metal, that kind of thing, he's doing good. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, I got this great poster of Hogan for, like, 35 bucks, autographed and everything. That's sweet. Oh, yeah. that's wicked. I uh, I wish I came across a Hulk Hogan. No, uh, I was I was a Macho Man fan back in the day when him and Hogan were always at it. You know, yeah. I was always a Macho fan, right? Yeah. The, f- the first WWE card I ever saw was 1986, and it was uh, the main event was Hulk Hogan against Macho Man, and they were, bo- were both having like Macho had the IC title th- at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, Hogan had the world title. And uh, you watch the um, you watch the you watch Macho's videos, man, especially the earlier stuff. Oh yeah! Before he started, before he started wearing the full tights and everything. Yeah. Uh, my God, man, that man could move around the ring so graceful. Well, he could get from the he can get from outside the ring to the top rope in a heartbeat, and it was just fluid. And just watching him wrestle, man, was absolutely perfect. Yeah, he was uh, definitely a talented. Both him and Lanny, very talented, very fluid, very uh, 
acrobatic in, in, in every way. But, you know, Macho was just like, he was just so good at peacocking himself. Like he was yeah. uh, making himself stand out from everyone else and just puffing out his chest and making himself bigger than life. And, oh, his uh, intensity is what sold it. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You watch any interview with him and his veins are popping out of his neck and it's uh, <laughs> it, was, it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And you believe that's what he was like. It was like, yeah. you know, you didn't know that he had that soft Randy Macho Man voice. Uh, you know that, right? But uh, he was so intense, and, and he was fantastic. Oh, that, like, and, and my favorite just, era um, was the robes. Yeah, oh, absolutely, tights. my favorite era as well. That actually just reminded me because earlier you asked, you were talking, we were talking about the bad promos. Mm-hmm. That and that uh, when I started talking about Macho, that someone, his, all his promos were fantastic. Uh, yes, there was a bad promo I recall. And I recall it because I happened to be uh, scrolling through Facebook and uh, uh, old school, one of the WWE groups or whatever, had uh, promos, a stream of promos. And it was <laughs> Repo Man promoing <laughs> against Virgil and then Virgil uh, promoing against him. And, oh, wow. I was like, you know, that's not exactly a main event, but I'm glad I saw that just now. <laughs> the Rebo Man was ridiculous. I absolutely loved the Rebo Man character. Like he's just there to repossess your. He, he, he's there to like. Why is he wrestling? Is it shouldn't he be taking someone's car? Why is he here? Yeah, well, Duke the Dumpster Drosy, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, well, he's taking out garbage, and that garbage can be you. But why is the what? Repo Man there to? Who, who is? What, what is he repossessing? <laughs> It makes no yeah, sense exactly. why he's even there. And he, he's coming yeah. in like he is going to repo something. Like he's sneaking in, you know, and like, and clearly his repoing career wasn't doing well because there were tire treads across his chest, which <laughs> meant. Hey, man, look, I, that obviously proved his toughness. If you can have a car run over you, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like. Every, I, 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 you know, there's a, there was an unknown. Um, kids today would never know who he is. I bet you you know who he is because you're, you're a fan. But I remember growing up, one of my favorite wrestlers, and he wasn't around for a terribly long time, but I remember a flag match between him and Nikolai Volkov. He was Corporal Kirchner. Do you remember him? Oh, of course, Corporal Kirchner. He was, when uh, Sergeant Slaughter left the WWE, he was the guy they brought in to fill in the Sergeant Slaughter character, Corporal Kirchner. Right. Yeah. I remember him. I remember uh, back in the day, uh, he was one of my favorites when I was a kid. I, I recall that. I, I, remember, I remember that match with Volkov. The flag uh, match, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he took off his boot and ended up knocking him out. That's the only image I can remember from it right now. But uh, it's amazing how when you start talking wrestling, all these memories start just coming up. Being in the Maritimes, did you ever uh, see any Maritime wrestling? Or um, well, I used to like when I would be down in Halifax. Sometimes on Saturday mornings, I flip on the TV and they have like mm-hmm. wrestling from Newfoundland. And Colt Cabana right. was there one time, or right. uh, wrestling, and it was all filmed. And it was like, and this is like maybe two years three years ago like oh, uh, we still have a good uh, there's a you know east coast wrestling legends wrestling uh they still put off great shows here and they get and they're getting great crowds for it and uh everybody who goes to it there's nobody you know the same as a as a live event for one of the major corporations people who go to it are there to enjoy it you know and see the show that these guys are putting on yeah and uh there's a, there's some talent there man I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of guys eventually go uh go pro 
that's awesome i'm i'm, I'm glad that there is uh you know still a, a you know a thriving uh, talent because i'm sure you know newfoundland has got a lot of small towns and i'm sure they could smooth tour a lot of those small towns i know while you tour uh you know extensively through newfoundland and then i know other guys do as well like trent and stuff like that so i think the venues and the towns are there so you know if uh you know it would be awesome if there was if they had a good indie promotion i don't out think there. wrestling is i don't think wrestling has ever gotten the credit it's due you know you could watch nothing but uh, uh wrestling cards say from the past 30 years and you can pretty much determine from that what's going on in the world at the time mm-hmm. people who long for the attitude era you know we may see an attitude era again at some point but i gotta tell you i think vince mcmahon is a genius i do because when the attitude era was in its heyday Unfortunately, what you saw come along at the same time, largely due to baseball strike and NHL strike, was mixed martial arts. And so you had the demographic for the attitude fighting, for the attitude era. You had them all of a sudden wanting to watch the real fighting, as they called it. Mm -hmm. So WWE was losing its crowd. And instead of just trying to compete with that sort of thing, McMahon brought wrestling back to what it was in the 80s. You know, kid-friendly. And all of a sudden, I could take my... Uh, eight-year-old at the time, then I say, hey, let's watch it. Let's watch. I, I, I could let him watch John Cena and Kofi Kingston and these guys, you know, uh, yeah. Alberto Del Rio. I could let him watch that. I, in good conscience, I couldn't let my, you know, if he was eight years old at the time, watch the Brown Panties match or watch the mud rest, mess, wrestling matches or, you know, or watch Shawn Michaels dance around with his, you know, with his dick out. Yeah. But I, you know, and those were, that was a great era in wrestling. But for, but to be able to switch it around and build a new audience, uh, I thought was a, was a very smart business move, you know. And where's two right now is a bit is a bit of a, a valley, but wrestling has always gone through peaks and valleys. I I think maybe the WWE is maybe in a bit of a valley, but as far as wrestling itself, the the independent scene is is thriving. Um, new Japan is making moves. Uh, being more popular in uh, North America than ever, and their right. wrestling is great. Uh, Ring of Honor um, is, you know, doing very well. They and, have very and good. They, they they put together very good shows. I think, I, I think I think Ring of Honor is uh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, their technical uh, their technical shows are really good. Impact now is uh, being taped out of uh, Toronto mostly, which uh, which is and, and which is fantastic uh, for Canada because now we can get Canadian talent on an American show. Like Impact's on in 123 countries. I don't know who watches, but um, I'm gonna you know after watching what I've just saw the last two nights, I know I'm gonna be watching. They got a lot of great talent there, and uh, they got good bookers. So you know. There's one character, he's, I think his name is Stone Rockwell, and uh, he is Indiana Jones. He is, oh, yeah. it, he's, he's called Stone Rockwell, and he's like the greatest adventurer. And he, he says, like, <laughs> he's like, are you looking for adventure? And he's dressed... <laughs> As he's, he's Indiana Jones. He's dressed exactly Sorry. like Indiana Jones. And I'm like, I love it. It's so stupid and so funny and it's just like and and you know some people might not like that but in japan right now they got a guy that um he's marty mcfly 
He dresses right. up like Marty McFly. His whole thing, he points to his watch. He's out of time. You know, like he's <laughs> he's Marty McFly from Back to the Future. That he wears awesome. Yeah, his name is Ibishi and that's who he is. Like I was at wrestling our Ring of Honor show with Ryan McClanob of another funny comedian and uh, I saw an Asian dude walk by dressed exactly like Marty McFly. And I was like, what the F? What the? And I said, hey, is there a, a Japanese wrestler that dresses up as Marty McFly? Because sometimes Japan does kooky stuff. And he's like, I don't know. And then we saw the wrestler. And I'm like, oh, that's that guy was dressed up as the wrestler. Or they both uncoincident like they both coincidentally just love back to the future and they don't even know each other exist but i'm gonna say they <laughs> I'm, gonna uh, go with the fan, yeah. I'm gonna go with the fan but my thing is is now i see indiana jones i'm like if they have ibishi who nobody makes fun of the fact that he's marty mcfly he's just a good wrestler mm-hmm. and if they have uh marty mcfly well why can't we have indiana jones and impact and when can these two meet up in a dream match? And can we get Spielberg to ref it? That's what I need to know. <laughs> that would be awesome. It's like, we have two of your greatest characters, Spielberg. Are you going to ref this fucking shit or not? Like, <laughs> how awesome would that be? Oh, man. Yeah, it's... we could have McFly beat Jones in the first one. Oh. And then uh, time travel, have the match... <laughs> promo it as the match is taking place before the first match i know or or, or yeah or yeah or <laughs> or have them lose but then have them go back redo the promo and then go back and redo the match recome in and, and redo the match and win and so so he goes back and he redoes it and then he gets his win and you're watching this going did this all just? Did this just? What happened? What just oh, happened exactly. here? In in the yeah in the match where he's come back in time, you know there could be another Marty McFly wrestler in the ring getting beat, and he comes down, sees how he got beat, and jumps in. And jumps in. <laughs> they they do the they do the the Bella Twin magic on them. <laughs> yeah, that'd be sweet. He knocks him out. He knocks him out outside, or the double Hebner. He knocks him out, and then he takes over the match like they did on Hulk. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, great. Book it. Book right. it now. Yeah. Book I, it right now. That'll be like the two Hebners. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it would be so good. Um, well, we're winding down here. Uh, what do you got coming up? What do you got going on? Uh, what's going on with you these days, John? Well, summer is pretty slow around here. It's a musician's time of year. You know, it's outdoor shit. Uh, I do have a, I'm doing a gig in, um, uh, I'm doing a couple of gigs, private gigs during the summer, and I'm looking to get a tour going in, um, uh, in the fall and i'm hoping to head back out to bc to do a couple weeks and actually there's a comedian in ireland named john sheehan and uh <laughs> he found me yeah and he's been doing it about as long as i have i tell you he, he got himself to edinburgh festival yeah a couple of years a couple of years ago and he, he googled himself to see if they had his bio put up and he found me yeah so we became friends on facebook his girlfriend is a comic as well and it's funny because every now and again uh he books a show over there Last year, I was doing Shakespeare in the summertime. I sometimes do. I sometimes do that for a professional company. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, I got an email from her, a Facebook message from her, with uh, a club in Ireland saying tonight John Sheen, but it was my picture on the poster, not him. That's funny. <laughs> I was like, wow. I got apparently I got about four hours to uh, get to Ireland and headline this gig, and you know. <laughs> So, you know, it's been, so I'm hoping to head up back up to BC. I've done a couple of good tours out there, a lot of fun. 
Uh, you know what? I haven't. You know where I haven't done comedy is in Toronto. No. Never have. No, I've never have. I uh, I, I was fortunate when I first started in uh, 2008. You know, I uh, if I had known any better, I would have uh, likely backed out and been chicken shit. But I didn't know any better, Tom. I didn't know anything about comedy or the marketing of it. So I basically I did a show at a small bar in Carbonier, which is right next to my town. And a buddy of mine taped it, and I sent it around to a few festivals, not knowing any different. Yeah. But uh, luckily enough, I, I got Halifax out of that. So my first time doing any kind of real stand-up in front of a crowd was at the Halifax Comedy Fest. Oh, sweet and, Jesus. Uh, yeah, and through that, I got booked for a, for a Yuck Yucks tour the following fall. And uh, when I went, the first night of the tour was the first time I set foot in a Yuck Yucks club. Yeah. So I had never done any Yuck Yucks clubs, and here I was touring Ontario with them. But we didn't do Toronto. And uh, anyway, I've been fortunate enough to make a living because I, I made the decision to raise my kids here. So I made a, I made enough of a living in Newfoundland through uh, conventions and flyouts and yeah, you know stuff like that. I just did the Moncton Fest back in uh, February. It was my first time doing that. That was a lot of fun. That is a fun the fest. Hub, the Hubcap Fest, yeah. Every well, you know, I had a kind of a kind of game. They, they were nice enough to give me a standing uh, standing invitation to it. But oh. every year I kind of every year I kind of do a, uh, a a sketch comedy review show. Yeah, the tours around Newfoundland it keeps me employed for four months. Yeah. So uh, this year I didn't do that, and uh, so I was able to do Hubcap, which was a fantastic time. And uh, I've been lucky enough to be able to do uh, to travel to Europe three times now, doing shows for Canadian forces at uh, bases and on ships, and you know I've uh, had some interesting adventures in Ukraine and. Got left behind with Troy, Troy, uh, Troy Crowder on the on the boat <laughs> in Athens. Yeah, we we did a show on the deck with a bunch of former NHLers, and I was the only comic. There was a band. Long story short, after the show, I said to Troy, "Let's go down the, in the in the mess and have a beer with the boys, right?" Yeah. So he said, "Sure." Anyway, about forty-five minutes later, I realized it's just me and Troy there, and uh, the rest <laughs> of the troops. So I thought, oh, "Fuck, they left us behind." He said, "No, there's no way." I said, "Yeah, they did." So uh, from Athens to where we had the boat deck, there we had the boat deck, but an hour drive. So the chief of the watch had to call Ottawa to get the number for the bus, to call the bus to come back and pick up me and Troy. <laughs> and when my boss got off the bus, off the bus, she was she wasn't terribly angry, but I could tell you know she was she was laughing a bit. Yeah. As she was walking towards us, Troy looked down at me because he's a big guy. Yeah. He said, "Are we in trouble?" He said, "Are we in trouble?" I said, you're a millionaire ex-NHLer. Who do you think's getting shit for this? Yeah. And, <laughs> and she walks over, she points at me, and she looks at him, and she says in a very thick French accent, what I tell you about doing anything he suggests to do? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Apparently my reputation goes before me. This is awesome. Oh. And uh, so that's why, you know, and I'm, I'm hopefully doing one of those again now in, uh, in the fall. Awesome. Uh, and where can uh, the listeners, if they want to find you online, where can they find you online? Uh, just check out Facebook page, John Sheen Entertainment. Uh, I got some videos put up there, and I try to I try to put up some memes every now and again just to keep myself relevant with the young crowd that are doing it here. Sweet. You know, Newfoundland, is, Newfoundland has got a big batch of comics that are actually pretty fucking funny. So I'm kind of uh, an old dog here now, so I'm thinking I might have to... Uh, kids are a bit older now, so I might have to spend some time off the island doing this so i might actually have to go to toronto for a few weeks see if i can get some 
Mike time up there see what can happen no problem awesome well thank you yeah. uh, thank you for joining us and uh, here on uh, Talking Wrestling and uh, folks uh, you at home don't forget to hit us up on all those social medias talkingwrestling at gmail.com Talking Wrestling podcast on the Instagram TNW pod on the Twitter and uh, Talking Wrestling on the Facebook hit us up anywhere uh, don't forget if you're on iTunes or on any platform platform that gives uh, reviews or whatever give us a good review give us five star rating if you give us a five star rating and a review on itunes we'll send you an 80s postcard of a wrestler of your choice that we still have so thank you for letting us put a headlock in your ears john jane sheehan myself thanks for joining us today and uh, we'll see you next time have a great one bye now Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.